so what's the agenda? Well, the, the agenda is, is ultimately just to ask what, what we think a story is. So let, let's start off by introducing ourselves. I'm Charles Houghton. I'm a writer and an artist who's got a long list of stories that I'm trying to, to tell. And uh, with me is Steve Walker and Keith Miller. Um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, Steve? Hi, I'm Steve Walker. I am a comic book artist, uh, writer, and storyteller. Uh, and I have drawn comics for large publishers, small publishers, every kind of publisher in between, and myself. And I teach comics and sequential arts at a bunch of schools in and around New York City. Keith? Hi, I'm uh, Keith Miller, and I'm a writer. Um, and I guess, if anything, uh, designated as an independent writer. And um, I love comics. I've written comics. I've worked with Steve. And I've been pretty much published through um, you know, more of a smaller independent. And my day job is I teach high school English. Excellent. So let's, let's, Keith, why don't you tell us what you think, uh, what is a story? What, for you, what, what does story entail? What is it, what is the, the key elements and how do you define it? Um, so, all right, I got a, a, a bunch of ideas, right? And it basically comes down to stories is a series of, of events that you know eventually equate into like a narrative focus on a noun as dealing with some form of conflict and then there's like a resolution right um and essentially the sequence determined can be determined by the writer and that's usually determined um based on sort of like cultural or social norms and it's it's always like ever changing i mean I, just in terms of like the driest most functional definition of a story that i can kind of think of how about you steve i've been thinking about this a lot uh story to me by definition involves characters protagonist and antagonist a problem that, that that the protagonist has to overcome maybe face against the antagonist with a rising action leading to a climax and eventually to a denouement and a finale that's a story in in almost the the i think the textbook definition i haven't looked it up uh but what what is a story to me it's something that has an emotional impact on me as i read it watch it you know, look at it. Um, that takes me on the journey as well as the characters. That puts me into that puts me into the same places that the characters are going to. That puts me into their emotional states. Uh, and by the end of it, creates a catharsis, whether a positive or a negative one. That I walk away with a feeling from that from that experience. So. 
that is for me how what a story is and how it should work and that's that can be you know again it can be a film it can be television it can be a book it can be a comic it can be illustration it can be whatever form form you decide to put that story in gotcha yeah and i mean for me i think in many ways my opinion is is of what a story is 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 going to be very similar to that it's someone wants something with all their heart and has to overcome a series of fantastically difficult obstacles in order to either get what they want or die trying and that for me is the 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 core of it Uh, i in its simplest form i've been thinking of it as desire followed by obstacle followed by crisis and you know for me that's the the core of it and i i think in some ways you know i'll throw this out there because i think it's equally important to designate what it isn't i think that i believe a story is not a sequence of events with a beginning and a middle and an end meaning to say that there there is there needs to be a through line that ties it all together and gives those events uh, cause and effect otherwise it's just unconnected coincidences with which have a beginning point a middle point and an end point you know when when the someone decides to turn the camera on or put pencil to paper and then a whole series of potentially completely undramatic and uninteresting events and then they turn the camera off or stop drawing and you know I'm curious to think what you know for you guys what doesn't constitute a story I mean Charles I was listening to you and um, and it may just be a matter of semantics right because you're saying that it's you don't believe that it's a series of events but I um, but even in, in sort of your definition implies that series of events and the through line, at least I, I'm understanding for what you said, I'm interpreting what you're saying. That through line is, is, is just that. It's it's the plot, right? And that series of, series of events are, you know, um, it's like, like you, 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 when you're teaching writing, right? Um, or, or, or just stories, right? You, like, you, you know, you, you've got the problem beginning, the problem keeps escalating up until you get to the point where um, the conflict sort of like explodes, and then, then you have the descent. You know, so that's the rising action and the falling action. You know, leads towards Steve Demignon, and then you have like the resolution, right? That thorough line is always there. You know, and the thing is, um, so I mean, I think. Like, but but where does the through line come from? Okay, well, see, then that depends on on how you tell a story, right? Because you have the story, and then you have the storyteller, 
right? And the ways in which you decide or you choose to tell the story. Um, and so you mentioned sort of like coming in and, you know, finding moments in the story that there's nothing happening, right? And as a reader or, you know, the person that's engaged in your story, in whatever format it's set up, right? You don't want to waste the reader's time. There's always got to be something of, of, of importance. Um, and more times than not, especially commercially, uh, some conflict that's underlying whatever is happening because that conflict is going to continue to build and build, right? Because the conflict is what sort of takes you through the story. What do you think, Steve? Uh, I think I need to close my windows because I keep hearing planes flying by overhead and I think it's coming through the microphone. But uh, I think you, you need... I think you can tell a story without inside not inciting events, but events that are interconnected. The Surrealists did it all the time, um, where the stories were, were kind of dreamscapes, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, who's it, uh, was it Francois Gillot or Louis Bourgeois wrote a book? that was about their dreams or, or that, that focused largely on, on their dreams as children. I forget which one, uh, but that the, it had that drink kind of dreamscape logic to it, right? Where things you accepted things as they were, because it was in fact surreal and a dream. So you didn't need some of that through line that you were talking about before to make the story work. Do I think it's the best way to tell a story? No, I don't. Uh, I like a bit more cohesion within my narrative. Uh, I like the idea that, or, or not the idea, but that the actions that start in the beginning of the, the story have consequences at the end. And sometimes those actions are are in a, a prelude or something like that in a prologue, right? That that kind of feed into that that cause the you know they they are the dropping of the pebbles that start the 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 landslide or the avalanche, right? That kind of stuff. So I think you need that kind of stuff. I don't think it's just it's just happenstance. Right. There's a cause and effect that's yeah. tying these things together. Right. Because I think that the that was kind of my point was that that coincidence and maybe coincidence not exactly the right term but unconnected events don't don't to my kind of rigid view of story don't belong there because they the the unconnected events if they're not influencing and affecting your main characters uh, propulsion through the story or end up being irrelevant or window dressing and I'm, I'm sure you know Keith I, I can imagine that probably chafes you a bit uh, you know my opinion probably doesn't sit well with you because it just seems inflammatory on my part 
mean, not so much. I mean, I, 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 as we're talking, right, I think we still need to kind of go back. Is we're, we're talking about plot right now, right? And we're talking about, you know, Steve, Steve sort of kind of took us down that road when he started getting, getting into the elements of, of story, elements of narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as a character, and, and then, you know, I kind of threw in conflict, but what is story? You know, like, I started off giving, and I'll be very honest, a very dry definition of story, right? Because ultimately, yeah, it's it, connected right <laughs> connected events that take us from the beginning the middle and the end right and those events um so like like at this bare minimum that story but the reasons that we tell stories right and i think and i think if we kind of take a step backwards and look at some of those reasons that we tell stories to kind of help us figure out exactly what the story is you know no let me, let me be clear well, well that's kind of define that's it that's kind of a good question though i Kate, think it's a great question is is what what are the reasons that you two tell stories lead right into it keith because i i think that is a phenomenal question because i think at the end of the day we have to answer the question which is why are you compelled to do this? Well, all right. So I'm going to... Oh, what the hell is put out there and be honest with, what, with the work is there's this compulsion. Like, ever since I could remember, all I wanted to do was be a writer. Um and you know the stories that i told uh i would say from middle school through high school were all really just regurgitations of stuff that i saw like properties you know that i liked Mm -hmm. fanfic piers anthony's you know you know heinlein ludlum and then um so like it began with this compulsion, like it's like need or like this this like interest in story or preoccupation with stories and telling them. Whether it's good at it or not, just having to do it. But then as time goes on, that compulsion sort of becomes or or, or, or like lends itself towards discipline. And then you start to take a you know get educated or in my case educated and then you start to well look at the stories that you've consumed and you know from the standpoint of you know an african-american reading you know sci-fi and those names that i just mentioned right um you know black people didn't necessarily they weren't prominent in sci-fi or in the science fiction that i read and so then it became important that like whoa okay I really love this medium, but there's a problem, or at least there's a problem for me. And so, you know, a lot of times it was, well, I want to write me into those stories. But then 
who am I, right? Um, and what makes me interesting? And, you know, um, culturally, what do I have to add to this space? Now, of course, the, the answer is a hell of a lot, but you got to figure it out, right? And so, like, you know, that's like that, that journey. Now, why do I tell stories? Well, because um, for all those reasons, you know, I, you know, a lot of the, uh, of the fiction and fantasy and sci-fi that we see now is, is a little more inclusive, right? I mean, there's still ways to go. Um, there, is, there is like a level of representation not just in terms of like token representation, but actual, you know, folks, writers, writers of color, just like just writers going in there and sort of telling the stories um, that reflect people I know and, you know, situations that, that I'm familiar with, right? Um, and for me, I write along those similar lines, not necessarily specifically, but I wanna I, I, I wanna put people in places that haven't been there, but in a completely um, natural manner. That's like devoid of like, whoa, hey look, I'm kinda telling a story that has you 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 know, this ethnic minority focus for this story you know it's or, organic so that you know someone who picks it up can just look at it and just accept it for what it is and like it's not Keith like the black writer writing you know you know having like black or brown or the other represented in the works that he do it's like no he's just really interesting guy telling really interesting stories with really interesting people you know, mm-hmm. kind of look like me and sound like me. But okay. yeah, it, we, we, those are the kind of stories that I'm interested in and I feel compelled to tell. And yeah. So you have you have a an impulse to to be represented and seen in in a area of writing that didn't have enough of it. Is that am I absolutely? But that was a um, honestly that that came by way of like an evolution or or development. Gotcha. So you 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 started writing by impulse when you were young. You yeah. gr- you grew into a desire to to represent uh, the complexities of your life in your writing later on in the process. Right. I mean, because you know when you're you know when you're reading um you, you, you know the uh or the, 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 the you know the incarnations are of immortality Piers anthony right yep. Yep. Or, when, or or when you're reading you know someone like say i don't know robert zelini mm-hmm. or you know or you know, like even like 
recently Jim Butcher, right? Like, it's all wonderful. And they're characters that you appreciate, that I appreciate, that I love, the world that they tell, um, wonderful, right? And it, 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 you know, that's what does it for me. However, um, I'm not there. And the thing is, the sad thing about it is you don't realize it because it's so subtle. And then it, and then it's like, only as you get older, only as I got older, it's like, well, right. wait a minute. It's like, you know, Charlie Brown, like, Franklin. Mm-hmm. Fuck, right? So. Yeah, and, and to your point, I, I don't recall ever thinking about ethnicity within the context of any Piers Anthony book that, that they were all, I I love them um, but that wasn't that wasn't even a part of the the narrative ever yeah because a, he was writing from like a specific I mean you know I, I, I would say I don't want to I would say like white supremacy but it's not necessarily that but um that like white perspective is just so entrenched and normalized mm-hmm. in that world, and you know that it's taken it as rope. It. There wasn't much. I'm right. You know, I, it's like I love the Destroyer series. I go back and I read it now, and to quote my students and the younger generation, Generation Z, I cringe. I'm like, oh, that was so bad. Mm-hmm. Still love it though. Okay. Well, that's that, that's level. redeeming. <laughs> More like nostalgia. I mean, right. it, you can get that you can get that kind of experience to reading Heinlein. You brought up Heinlein before. If you go back and reread Heinlein now, like if you read Heinlein as a kid and you're like, "Wow, this is really cool," and 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 whatnot, and you know, get words like "grok," which means absolutely nothing, except to understand, to intimate, and to and to take in. Right? It's it's a catch-all. But go back and read it now, and you're like, "Whoa, there's a lot of sexism here. There's a lot of, you know, misogyny, not misogyny, but male-driven kind of." The moon is a harsh mistress, right? Well, and, so, and, and to your point, his stuff was was also very uh, militaristic. It was very, you know, it had a it had a a very yeah. unified perspective. Yes, you <laughs> may say fascist. A fascist, yes, absolutely. You know, Mil- he... I, I would say militaristic. I would le- less go for fascism and more for militaristic, depending on on which books you're reading and when. You're I mean, I yeah. I don't take that opinion, but they're definitely yeah. militaristic. But I would say some have argued. Yeah, I I mean the wheel comes back all the way back around, right? So, but to 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 kind of carry it forward a little bit, Charles. What about you? What what drives you to tell stories? I think that. Wait, well, one say. Nice deflection, Steve. Thank you. <laughs> That's okay. So Steve, Steve's going to get pinned to this wall himself. So there's no. Oh, no... I know. I'm waiting for it. I'm just. I'm setting this up because I have to go close another window. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, for... get Charles talking, then I can go do what I got to do. Gotcha. No, for me, I think that the storytelling became one of those. Uh, it became an obsession. I never. I never. I always respected people like you, Keith, who who called yourself a writer. And I did not call myself a writer. I, I, 
I was an artist first and a writer second. And so it became a, you know, I, I was, I became fascinated with what made stories work. And I became infuriated that the education that I had as a child was writing reports and analysis of other people's stories. And when I started really breaking down uh, what makes a story tick, uh, it's it's not rocket science, but most people don't do it. And that's that's what kind of triggered me to kind of say, listen, I can I can do this better than first of all, better than I thought I could, because, again, I, I didn't consider myself a writer. I was an artist first. And truth be told, I started as an architect and I'm a designer. You know, so my my lot in life was to communicate visually. So uh, the storytelling came after after that and became an obsession uh, digging through all of the, the books and, and really trying to tear into what makes a story work and I, I I think that you know it it is character it is plot meaning that you have to have someone you care about that has something happen to them at the very at the very minimum and if you don't have that uh, you know having not read Proust I can't speak to it but you know there was a lot of things that didn't happen in Proust I'm told so uh, a lot, a lot, a lot. Okay, so that's not—it's not unfair of me to to say that. So ultimately, it was storytelling for me. I still brilliant though. I'm just gonna. Okay, that's you that... are the only person here who has read Proust. So yeah, the, you, we have a we have a majority uh, of one who I'm not an authority. <laughs> a majority, but not an authority. The uh, no, I I just for me it became an obsession which was one of can i tell compelling stories i've i my background is philosophy and i I have lots of friends who uh, are artists and a shoe story uh, they want to evoke things without things happening so i i think it was for me it was kind of a an obsessive impulse and ultimately i think i want to really call out i think a critical component of it is at some point it's autobiographical which is at some point you're i i found that i have stories that i want to tell i have (laughs) i have grudges that i want to play out in my fiction sorry like i i gotta call it out part of it is is grudges i had things that happened to me that i think are are relatable and that 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 i want to <laughs> i want to answer in story form so that, anyway. I, I have to say like that is the first time i've heard that and it's got to be the most honest thing i've like um motivation that i i've ever heard in terms of just like creative uh, impetus to like get in, get in there and do the work. It's like I have some receipts. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The only other time I've ever heard that said that way was in uh, Harlan Ellison. Every villain in his name in his work was named after someone who bullied him when he was young, when he was a kid. 
So, and I bet the well, villains. Did he put him? Did he name himself at any point? Did he name himself at any point? Harlan was a character unto himself, so possibly. <laughs> No, uh, Harlan seems like the kind of guy who who held grudges and put them into his stories. So, how about you, Steve? Why do you tell stories? Yeah, Steve. Well, uh, Charles, you'd be surprised. I, I, you may not be surprised by this, but it's to uh, communicate with people. Uh, specifically, I started telling, or I got into stories the much the same way that you guys did. I you know read i was reading at a young age i was I, you know dune was a bedtime story for me uh you know star wars i am i am as we all are of the age that star wars was the thing mm-hmm. um you know uh the jim henson dark crystal stuff the the dark fairy tales all of that stuff were were really influential on me growing up but then again it was also for me and it was the stories of my family being, you know, coming, my family coming to America and, and coming up in, in East New York and the story of our, our, our culture and everything else and all that kind of stuff. So that, that kind of like telling stories has always been around. Uh, and then comics was the, 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 the vehicle, the thing that went was like, oh yeah, no, this is the way you do it right uh that's the one that made the most sense to me uh and being a kid of divorce comics and stories were the best escape from the the reality that i was dealing with at the time so i know that that leaves a mark and I know that that can be really hard for pe- for kids especially to deal with people of any age but but young kids most of all my parents were were I was really young when my parents split I was 6 um so I my drive my motivation to tell stories has always been to kind of offer the same kind of escape or or release or or whatnot for a kid who might be going through something very similar to what I went through growing up and and kind of maybe spark off for them something that that sets them on the same path that that gives them a, a, that that escape hatch that release that valve that they may need to get through to the next day so that's that's really what it was for me it's it's for me it's always been about telling telling things about yourself to other people and trying to communicate to other people this is the way i see things you know do you agree do you disagree either way it's cool but Mm -hmm. you know this is my my outlook on stuff right you have a point of view you have a particular didactic not didactic but a narrative point of view that that you're putting into your work i mean when i'm when i'm hearing as this through line, you know, with you, Charles, Steve, is like this this idea or this need to communicate and not to to work through, communicate and process pain. 
absolutely. I mean, it, it, I, there was a great quotation. I was, I was going back through a book that reading it was called Humor Seriously, and it was, it was talking about truth, or it was talking about true stories. And her perspective on it was that it is truth, pain, and distance. And for her, those were the best components of a true story. You know, what she was actually recounting was like, how do you how do you turn your life into comedy in that particular context? But I I was looking back over, you know, in, in preparation for our discussion tonight, kind of the different authors notions of what that was. And I think that the truth, the pain and the distance was a, a salient kind of observation. I'm like, OK, it's, it's a way to work through that pain and ultimately, hopefully, to share with other people that maybe you can get through it, too. And it's also to kind of the pain, the, the, the working through the truth and the pain is part of it. And I, I think any any writer or any storyteller that says their their life does not influence their work is lying. Um to to a certain degree because that's just nonsense your 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 life your everyday influences you know the 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 work that you create for sure um you can't i don't think you can write without injecting or or create characters without injecting something of yourself into those characters right uh to some to some degree or another it, it could be a little thing it could be a big thing it, it doesn't have to be like everything it can be just parts well and you know it, it raises an interesting question which i think is is worthy of discussion which is you have some people who say that the, the stories you tell are followed directly from the stories that influenced you most but on the flip side kind of what we're saying is the stories we're telling are from our our autobiographical events that we're putting into uh, perhaps a, a fictional situation. So, uh, you know, it's, I'm curious what your guys' thought is on that. Taking autobiogra autobiography and putting it into a fictional reality? Well, more so one of, do, do you feel like that your artistic voice comes from the other stories that influenced you the most or the pain that was inflicted upon you that the that you're communicating mm. keith do you want to take a I shot mean, i'm going to kick it back to you because i want okay well the stories that i like to tell are big fantasy space opera i love that stuff I also love, you know, adventure stories and monster fights. Like, it's, it's, all of that stuff is fun to me, uh, for sure. Uh, you so, know, I, I'm, so I think those, those will always be elements within stories I tell bar none so th that's the influence right the story influence the stories that i've watched and read and, and loved 
though there's their their imprint on the types of stories that I like to tell. Right, escapism, you know, right. the the kind of world building that takes right. you to a place that that is perhaps unfamiliar. Right. Um. It's also fun to play in those kind of worlds. You know, uh, I'm not one to while I love reading stories like Cormac McCarthy's. You know, uh, 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 what did I just read? Uh, the passage, I think. Can't remember. I, I read. I read one of the recent the McCarthy's the Plains the Plains uh, novels. So. Um. I love reading those books. I'm not going to write a story or, or draw a story maybe set in that in that type of world. Because I, I, it's not my a. It's not my experience. Two. It's not what gets my juices going really right if right. i'm going to do a western it's probably going to be like a spaghetti western style uh, style story something like the good the bad and the ugly you know which will lead into something else but as far as like bringing the the so that again that becomes the backdrop of the story but then the 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 autobiographical part of it is going to be okay the character you know what is what is our main characters or what is a character's motivation within that world within that story you know um maybe they're you know uh uh okay their 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 family just moved to a new planet keep it simple they are they are refugees in a new world in a new planet they have to you know and and you know, start it there and, and kind of go from there. Uh, you know, that that would be where the autobiography comes into play to a right. certain degree. So giving some some depth to the characters that you've thrown into this novel situation. Right. Keith? What, yeah. Yeah, I was giving some thoughts. Well, I mean, the thing is, um, going back to like my college days, right? As as I can remember, uh, the poet Gustavo Becker, right, when asked about where his ideas come from, like his his poetry, his understanding stories, says like from this like mysterious place called X, right? Like this um. A fountain that, that that you have access to, right? Because um, otherwise, everyone's going to be a creator, and that's not necessarily the case. And not to say that everyone can't create, but you know there are those few insane people who believe we can sort of achieve what we're trying to achieve, right? Which is like create and tell stories. You can't help your stories. Or just stories themselves, right? Can't help to be a product of the author, of the creator, of the writer. Um, you know, to what degree you inject your life, however blatant or however subtle you decide to be 
as a writer, right? You could be Charles Bukowski, put it all on a page. You, you, you know, wine stains, wine, blood stains, everything, just all there on a page. Rage, hope, frustration, everything um, that, that, that comes to mind, just like almost like diarrhea. I'm talking about Bukowski, so perhaps that too, right? Um, all, and, 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 you know, it's like a sledgehammer. Because his stories, it doesn't matter the names of the character, it doesn't matter short stories, novel, it's always Charles Bukowski, like in that role. Henry Chinovsky is always Charles Bukowski. Or, um, you know, it's, it's something more subtle, right? You're injecting aspects of yourself, aspects of, of, of your personality, your ideas, your personal belief, your experiences, in these stories that you construct, right? Um, you know, Stephen King says that you know a lot of his stories, you know, in Dance in, in Dance Macabre, you know, they're all pieces like of of his experience, you know, and so much so that like when he creates certain characters. And when they go, because if it's in the Stephen King stories, more than likely they're going to go, he feels it, right? So I think it's unavoidable. I mean, you know, you can see this in um, the the personal art. Of, um, and, and maybe, you know, sometimes you guys do this yourselves, right? But like I've friends who are comic artists and, and, and I look at their process and I look at their work and I see vestiges of their personality in their lines, right? I see vestiges or to be even more blatant I see like people on the page that represent people that we know and sometimes it's intentional other times it's not right? And so I think we're always drawing on um, to some degree on our physical experiences and then like the energy itself like some of those like weird like impetus and the drive could probably come from you know Becker's like X place it's not to be well Jonathan Hickman's X because two very different things just eking out there in a moment sorry that's a very well thought out answer. Now let's get goofy. Goofy. <laughs> well, well, and well, let's go to the next question, which is that, that we're all dabbling or not dabbling. You're becoming expert in a particular medium, you know, in, in comics. So let's ask the next question: Is why why are you guys telling stories in the comic medium specifically? Steve, what? this is you. Me? Okay. You're going to start this one off. 
<laughs> why am I telling stories in the comics medium? Um, money? No, it's not money. No. Um, comics, to me, is the... best entry point for the, the types of stories that I want to tell that I can I can create these stories for and, and, and kind of control the visual and the narrative to a certain degree uh, for very little money on the outlay right and potentially a, a very broad net a very broad audience if I if I handle you know everything right on that's like how you get your story out there right mm -hmm. um which is i think a topic for another night not for tonight at all but uh you mean getting the topic yeah, getting for another night is getting your yeah. story read yeah getting your story read type yeah. of thing like how are you going to get your story read um comics for me make the most sense i'm a visual storyteller first and foremost I can write, uh, but I I think visually. Uh, even when I'm talking, I'm thinking visually. It's it's really hard to put into words sometimes uh, because it's just imagery all the time. So uh, comics just make sense. Like, how are you gonna how are you gonna tell this? Well, comics were the most available growing up of everything it's uh, you know I had a, a, a newsstand not too far from my house when I was growing up where every day going to school and coming home from school I would stop in the newsstand and buy comics right um, so they were the most readily available form of entertainment that I could access. We had books. We always had books in the house. And, you know, but we didn't have the access to media that we have today. All of us can can relate to that, I think, to one degree for sure. Like, we all had the, the you know, if the movies came on television for, like, Saturday afternoon special or something like that, or if, if you were lucky and you had HBO. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, or the movie came through the movie house because old films would get re-released into theaters on occasion, so you could see them again. Like films would would play. You know, uh, when Star Wars was coming out, when all the Star Wars were com were coming out, the first uh, three, I remember going. We were getting ready to go see Empire, and they re-released the first movie to like hype that up again and, and prep everybody everybody had been waiting for it but they were like here's an extra little right so but comics was always we're always there so that's that's why comics for me they, they've always been around that's that's where a lot of that escapism that I mentioned earlier comes from so it, it just made sense to be the comics medium how about you Keith uh I mean, you know, 
I've uh, I've done my fair share of reading, but what I always come back to, dude, I've seen uh, your your reading room, your fair share. My fair You're share. You're like a what dragon hoarding a a, a, <laughs> a pile <laughs> of gold. Um, but. I, I always come back to genre fiction, right? And what is single-handedly like, for, at least for me, um, it just represents the most in genre fiction, you know, speculative fiction. But comics, right? And like Steve said, you know, it kind of goes back to childhood. You know, you know, for me, it was like a, um, it was like a, a trek through like um, Prospect Park to get to like Flatbush to like one comic book store and I would like I would hoard I, I would get my hoard of treasure like and then and then like head home and sit in a stoop outside our building and just read and other kids like from the building will come down and they'll have their comics and they'll toss it down and we'll just read right so like um, it kind of harkens back to that. It's just sort of like a love um, of the medium, and really, it is for me what will, like what I saw Will Eisner do, right? And specifically, not not the spirit. That was that's fun stuff. I never really got too much into it, but you know. Um, the my goodness, like the the dreamer or Dropsy Avenue, that kind of stuff. No, 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 the the um, yeah, yeah, Dropsy Avenue stuff. This help me out with the title of something with God. Contract with God. Contract with God. Thank you very much. I how's it going? My brain today. But you know, it kind of it, it goes back to that idea, right? Of um, you know, putting you know parts of yourself coming through the work and your experiences and everything, and contract with God to see what Eisner did with sort of the immigrant Jewish experience um, in in the Bronx and those stories and the way that he told the stories with uh, you know it was just. It, it, a sense of like, like his personal connection, and you know, although it was like difficult times, you know, a love for those characters, a, a love for that time, a love for you know the people and those struggles that I just resonates with me, and I was like, this this is a good template to. To kind of tell some other stories, right? Um, and where you can go in and you can you you could throw in the genre stuff, right? The uh, the fantastical, but the heart of it, right? The soul of it, the sort of like that. Oh God, I'm I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna say it. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> I guess we can beat that up. You know, that explores the human condition. 
while, you know, a muscle-drawn guy with a dinosaur head that comes to attack you. I don't know. I don't actually never write that, but I'm just throwing that out there. Just saying. Why not? Because Neil uh, Gaiman already did it. What was that? Neil Gaiman already did it. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, but um, so did I, I was I was gonna say Garth Ennis, but you know, it's the other Wiley guy. Mm. It was um. Oh, just tonight. I'm just gonna stop my brain. That's all right. That's okay. I was gonna say Harry Harrison. Oh no, TV. Warren Ellis. Okay. Oh, I forget uh, Harry Harrison. Oh, that's a different podcast all on its own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, um, it's funny because I find myself moving slowly away from from like graphic novel comics for now and just kind of wanting to just deal with uh, you know challenging the blank page and just focusing on writing right I mean that that, that was going to be a question that, that I, I wanted to ask have you written a novel have you written something that is meant to be read not uh, you know, not a comic. Something that that's pure text. Yes. Okay. Because that's. Yeah. I mean, I can say um, definitively, I I haven't done that. Yeah, I mean, you know, is it good? Well, that's uh, that's yeah. definitely another podcast. <laughs> but um. <laughs> You Everything know. I write is genius. Everything I write is is just you know a diamond. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah, if you squeeze the cheeks tight enough, you'll definitely right, get a exactly. diamond. Exactly. I I mean. That's that's. To to ask ask the question is it good is kind of like that that you know, who's to say, type of thing. That's that's, who, do you you know. Well, the, the the reality is that that until it's in the world, no one's going to know anyway. You know, right. so I think that that's the, I mean, I think that's the challenge. I think for me that the the reason that I I was so intrigued by comics is that it's accessible. You could you can theoretically, and practically, write, draw, ink, color, print. A story, a visual story, all by yourself. It's in it, and I think it's it's other than writing as a text exercise and and writing a novel, a short story, and all of those things. It's one. It's the most accessible visual medium for storytelling out there because you don't require a team of filmmakers or a team of animators to to make your story happen, and you know. I think that it's a it's a very unique discipline, and I, I've only you know as I've delved into it over the years, you, you realize that there's a lot of complexity and nuance to it that this hiding, 
you know, I, I had the same sort of experience you guys had. You know, my mom would drive me to the other side of town and I would I would have a budget and I would buy the heck out of everything I could and I would ferry it home once every week or two weeks and it was an act of pure joy and you know I wasn't as generous as Keith I wasn't sitting on the stoop sharing with all the other kids around uh, I was hoarding it more than more than anything else oh, did I say, I, no 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 I, I specifically said they brought down the books and we share well that's what I mean I didn't share <laughs> oh okay I, I didn't well and you know I'm trying to think of it for, for us it was it was not as communal it was a more introverted, isolated experience. Yeah, I, I hoarded and cherished the exclusivity of what I was holding in my hand. It, it was a it was a cherished event. So for me, it was you know maybe it was was it greedy? I don't know. I I, I also didn't. I guess I didn't really have that discussion with my friends. I I think that's also you know just a component of I, I grew up I was in the suburbs you know there was no stoop there was no one place all the kids would gather to to share what was going on in their lives it was it was much more isolated than that so for me for me that the comics almost probably if I were going to wager it was a way out of that isolation into a bigger world mm. so it was definitely I definitely the escapism that Steve was talking about, I sympathize with. Like it was, it was a big part for me. I mean, so you know, I was going to ask the question: and what are the the stories? You know, a couple stories that influenced your wanting to tell stories. Let's go with you, Keith, since you're big on my screen. I mean, what what were the what were the stories that that got you going? That that said. Oh, this this is amazing. Um, all right, like not an exhaustive list, just you know, a, a best. No, of. no, no, no. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like. Okay, so it's 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 gonna be like a weird collection of like stories. It just kind of like got me going. Um. And as, I'm going to go as far back as I can remember just in terms of, like, stuff that really kind of jumps at me. It would be um, Albert Camus' The Stranger. Right? Like, I don't know why, but I was, well, I was exposed in, in, in high school. And for whatever reason, like, that novel, that story just spoke to me. Like, the... the the i the idea of of like expressing this unknown everyman um and his like complete or at least Narrative-wise, I'm not going into meeting, and I'm not gonna like, you, you, you know, go into the philosophy behind it, behind it because that's not what drew me in, right? Not some, not the, the philosophy behind it, but just the the, the narrative itself. 
was this man that was just going on and carrying on with his daily sort of routine and had lacked um, connection to himself and others and there was this this distance and but functioning in this world where he would forever be like or feel like a stranger and there was just something some something to it right and then you know along those threads you've got um you know you, you spoke earlier about Brock um stranger in the strange land you, you, you know similar story in a sense not looking at the philosophy and the bigger ideas behind it but just the narrative the story um you know sort of like this it's this this perfect everyman who isn't a man but then you know succumbs to man is finding really interesting and then it's a completely stupid novel that like I forever like love um stainless steel rat by like Harry Harrison right uh his three books in high school that just kind of like propelled me forward it was just like okay like these are the things this is this is where I don't know where it's leading me this is where I want to go you know with the the smattering of like not even the smattering but just like you know Hemingway in the background right um those are kind of like make me want to be like a writer and write and tell stories and you know it was part of that like aesthetic like you against the world you against that page and just making something you you, you know making uh sense out of nothing And that's kind of what we try to do, no? Kind of. How about you, Steve? Oh, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. When I was a kid, um, one of the first books, the, the story books I ever got was a book called uh, "The Rainbow Goblins" by uh, Count Alderico. Uh, and it's this this weird surrealist children's story that is fully oil painted on these wood panels it's gorgeous uh, it, it made me want to it, it showed me what the power of putting words and pictures together could do because it's it doesn't do what most children's books does which is the picture and the words mirror each other it's very much um, the paintings evoke a scene they're, they're illustrations the paintings evoke a scene and then there's the narrative next to it and it's a really messed up story about the, a bunch of goblins that want to eat a rainbow that's it that's the story uh, and the, the forest comes alive here's their plan comes alive 
and when the rainbow forms, they go to capture it, and the the rainbow's not there. And then suddenly, the forest douses these goblins in the rainbow, drowns them, and then as a thank you, the rainbow turns all of the 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 plants and whatnot into birds. That's the story. I read it. I I've been reading that story since I'm like 18 months old. <laughs> it's awesome. It's it's got a huge influence on me. Uh, Star Wars is just it's in my dna i can't get away from it and i never want to um it's the story of good and evil it's you know it's it's you know uh according to george lucas himself it's an anti-establishment film it's an anti-establishment story it's it's the underdog fighting against an evil you know corrupt empire uh, its relevance will always be there. Um, comics, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, and the X-Men were were my characters. Um, you know, and then as I got older, other stuff. But those those were my guys uh, for comics mm-hmm. for a long time, for a long time, uh, through my formative years, uh, and then as I got as I got into college and, and got older, uh, the stories for me were, uh, books like, or before college, Stephen King's The Gunslinger, which was like a twisted, messed up version of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Like, this character walking through, chasing after this one guy, it was, it was the good, the bad, and the ugly, The Lord of the Rings all of these you know different parts of all it's all of these different stories kind of mooshed together with with the right amount of of strange messed up stephen king horror stuff that made it compelling especially for a teenage kid who had no friends so that was kind of like oh i found this book and it's he wrote it for me okay great this is awesome so those were the those were the stories that really kind of um informed me really have really stuck with me over the years um there have been more since then there will be more you know beyond that beyond now uh for sure but those are the ones that that stick out in my brain all the time what about you charles uh for me definitely i think that much like you steve the star wars was world shattering for me, it was a uh, uh, exposure to a, a universe that we had never seen before, and I dragged my poor grand grandparents to see that more times than than they had any right to to be subjected to. So uh, that was that was the critical one for me. You know, when I was when I was younger, I was my books were Moon Knight, X Men. You know, those were the the ones that I was into, the Chris Claremont era X Men, and and you know, it, it, and it moved on from there. I, I I think that the thing that we can all agree on is that, that we have a deep and abiding love and respect for stories and and for storytellers. You know, that yeah. that that doing story right is a worthy pursuit that. If we're lucky, we—that's what we do. 
So yeah, for sure. So for me, that you know that I'm moved by a tremendous number of things, and you know I've, I've heard some commentators say that you are the as a and I think it was a filmmaker who was talking said you are your your filmmaking career will be some amalgam of your three favorite films and I think that it's it's intriguing to to think about that because you know Star Wars is going to be right up there it's going to be some sort of space opera you know I think that it's it's interesting that maybe that the three of us gravitate toward each other because we have an interest in in the genre fiction in the science fiction fantasy that that kind of realm and i think that it's it's an interesting counterpoint to the grim realism as another arm of this amazing storytelling adventure that other people go on um i i just think it's I don't know. I, at the end of the day, is, I'd be so psyched to just bring something wonderful into the world. That's always a good feeling, right? Yeah. And and what's 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 fun about stuff like this is like talking to talking to the both of you. You know, it's going to turn me on to other stuff that maybe I haven't read yet. I know for a fact because Keith used to throw books at me all the time. Uh, Keith is the one who like brief and wondrous life of Oscar Wilde. He was just like, here, read this. You need to read this this is awesome i was like you're right it's awesome and he's like have you read harry harrison no i haven't what's wrong with you uh, uh read harry harrison here's you know i went out and i bought like as much harry harrison as i could find but, because of but that. then you gave me alfred bester the star yes. of my destination yes i which did like <laughs> so so that's kind of like when you find your people you know and and you find your group and you find your your niche whatever whatever you want to call it and you you find that like they're going to turn you on to shit that that you just never expected to them to you know and and that's kind of the beauty of it too is like hey this book this story this comic this movie i like it i think you might too here you go take a look at it yeah right. that's you, the kind of shit that i love later yeah <laughs> yeah. don't think about it just do it yeah i think it's it's a first of all it's valuable to talk about it so that that we can expose our, each other to things that we may not have been exposed to before and i have to uh, you know throw out there that I, I definitely don't read as much as i should read or feel like i should but you know that there's the other side of it too that you know Steve and I are also voracious ingesters of visual imagery too so you know that that I as as much as I I feel like you know stars my destination is top of my list to read next you know I also have I've ingested a vast amount of art history in 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 an effort to be able to understand the world I see better too mm -hmm. so mm. I think that's another I think that's another element of it too which is that the comics is isn't is the gives us the opportunity to also share the world we see yeah for sure um, here's a question what are you guys reading right now Charles I know you said you're not you're not reading as much as you should and this this isn't limited to books 
This could be comics. This could be, you know, audiobooks to me totally count. Well, the, the, the thing I've been, the thing that I've read most recently is uh, Miss Born and the Well of Ascension by uh, Brandon Sanderson because he, he is a tremendous resource in the, in the area of, of how to write and how to write genre fiction specifically. And I wanted to read his work in order to find out whether or not I thought that the conceptual ideas he was sharing were powerful enough or backed up by uh, an emotional story. And so that, that was the, that's the one I've read the most recently. How about you guys? Keith? Um, all right. So I've, I've been on a Dan Simmons kick, like uh, a, a, a dear friend of mine handed me, um, Hyperion and I maybe have gotten like a chapter in, and I was just like, I'm not ready for this. I'm going to put it to the side. Because I'm not ready, you know. Um, Kevin Hart, but I started um, reading his the the uh, well I I I I think that it's the um, I think the quadrology is a uh, seasons of night or um, seasons of horror. Well, Dan Simmons horror. So like. And I'm really enjoying um I read them out of order, but I don't care because Dan Simmons tells his story sometimes out of sequence anyway, so it worked out. Summer of Night, Children of Night, I recently read uh, A Winter Haunting, and now I'm reading um a uh The Fires of Eden, which is a story that it's it's this novel was written in the nineties takes place in Hawaii and this guy Trumbo I think Robert Trumbo wants to he has a he has he has a hotel resort and um, golf course set in um, one of uh, I, one of the off islands in Hawaii that is geographically set in an area that's kind of unsafe and he's looking to pawn it off and he has Japanese investors coming in and he wants to sell it to them and um, all the while people in the story and in his hotel start to disappear and um, so the story jumps between um, this uh, real estate investor who has all the hallmarks of Donald Trump from the 90s as a, as a real estate mogul dabbling in Hawaii. And then because it's Dan Simmons and he loves to give you those literary twists, um, play is that um, a woman on her travels to Hawaii in the late 1800s comes across and meets Samuel Clemens and develops a form of friendship. And so, you know, the story is told um, through 
their correspondence or, 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 or I guess through her diary and one of the main characters one of the characters in the present is like her grandchild or great grandchild who is also now on the island sort of retracing her great grandmother's um, adventures with Mark Twain so it's it's interesting I'm 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 enjoying it because what Simmons does is he has this very um, keen literary um, depth and and his research is is like impressive and he's one of the writers that sort of makes you work for it right like. Um, I mean, the prose isn't too difficult, but it it can be dense and but it it can also like he likes to play around. Like it it's clear that you know he's put a lot of time thought and there's a a, a wealth of of literary experience and reading behind his work. So he's. He's playing around with ideas and illusions and everything is kind of reaching back to, you know, some other text and he's kind of giving you like a wink and a nod. So I can appreciate that. Um, but he also kind of, you know, the, gives you a story, the sequence of events, right? The, you, know, you got the plot line going. So, yeah, I... Another book of his that I started reading was um, Flashpoint, which was published, I want to say, maybe in like 2018. But it it was a bit of controversy, and uh, I really picked it up because I wanted to see kind of like what the big hubbub was. Like, apparently, he was um, canceled behind it. Because it seemed it comes across as like um, a MAGA fever dream of what the world would look like in the future, and I'm like, like I've kind of like had to fight my way through it and three quarters away through, and I just kind of have to set it aside. And it's something we can kind of talk about later. I mean, I want to trash his work because there's a lot to Dan Simmons that that's really cool, but then what this last novel is like. Hmm. That's what I'm reading. How about you, Steve? Uh, what did I? I just finished Stephen King's Fairy Tale. How was I, that? Very, very good. It's on Enjoy. my pile. It's it's enjoyable. He does a lot of. There's a lot of good that goes into that book, and if we're going back to like the writer putting themselves into the story, oh boy, does he. Uh, at, at least experiences <laughs> that he has had for sure. Like everyone knows that Stephen King got hit by a car and nearly died back mm. in 2000, you know, mm-hmm. and the the experience of that makes its way into into this book, for sure. Um, uh, but beyond that, it's a it's a really tight story. It's it's probably one of his tightest as far as like uh, fantasy. Like it's a good fantasy story. Which is something you know he does every once in a while. Again, the the, the Dark Tower stuff, the the Gunslinger especially, and and you know the drawing of the three, and 
those books have probably as are his, his heaviest fantasy style style books and so this is a nice uh follow-up has nothing to do with the dark tower so it's not that it's just its own thing and it's a fast read it's a good read it after after a lot of heavy reading lately you know reading reading a lot of different authors he was a nice palate cleanser to a certain right. degree a lot of fun to it's almost like meeting up with an old friend and being like having a cup of coffee with him and being like so what have you been up to man you know that kind of thing so that's that's been uh novels for me i've got two or three always that are are sitting on the shelf waiting for for me to get to how about comics uh comics i yeah what did i pick i went to the shop yesterday not to buy anything new because yesterday was a new comics day today was new comics day i picked up a copy of the lookouts uh, written by Ben McCool and I'm going to mess up the artist's name so I'm not even going to try to pronounce it uh, but it was uh, it's a, a story about a bunch of uh, you know a, a fantasy style setting you know dungeon you know or you know Dungeons and Dragons that like high fantasy style setting of a village in the forest and the kids there are trained as as they go out on patrol to ward off any dangers, such as a, a, a sphinx is the main villain of the, the six issues. Uh, so I got the collection of that. Um, are there any other comic stuff that I'm reading? Everything that I'm reading right now is in... I'm waiting on trades. Uh, I'm doing a deep dive on Alex Toth. Okay. Always a master of the mediums. Worth just, spending just time. Just looking with. at him, going, "That's how he did it." Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you know that kind of stuff. And Sounds looking at good. it, going, "He could draw everything." <laughs> Alex Toth could draw everything, and and did at some point. Spaceships, airplanes, boats. Yeah. Just gobsmacking. Yeah. Well, and I think of Alex Toth too, and it brings me right back to the one of the joys of my life was Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. I mean, you know, Space Ghost, stupid man. shows like the Herculoids. Loved it, absolutely loved it. Ate that stuff up. So, I I I think that they're so so closely aligned I almost don't draw much of a distinction between a comic book and an animated TV show I mean they're they're, they're so closely related Thundar the Barbarian was mine from him that, yeah. that show was dope and Thundar and the Herculoids they were all crossovers anyway no <laughs> space dinosaurs you know crazy stuff <laughs> <laughs> space dinosaur well what i loved about thundar was like you had it was set in the future right and they had forgotten what the technology was so you had these people like wizards you know magic had come back into the world and wizards were using things like televisions but they really didn't know how they used them so that was kind of cool that was neat mm -hmm. hadn't really seen that i think the last time i saw something like that was planet of the apes right 
Hmm. Yeah, so. I never understood Planet of the Apes. The, the, the masks always look too fake to me. So I'm like, nah, that's that's dumb. I'm moving on. I'd spend much more time with Thundar than I would Planet of the Apes because at least Thundar, you Blasphemy. knew it wasn't real. <laughs> no, I just I couldn't get past the masks. So what are you gonna do, right? When yeah. you have it, because I think that's another component of it. Once you, once your suspension of disbelief is is not suspended, you know, you're like, okay, I'm done. I I see the little crinkles on the edge of that mask, and uh, I can't really. I can't really invest myself in this story. That's fair. Keith, um, I read Hyperion years ago. And, uh, oh my gosh, was it a hard one to get through? Yeah. It, did, it wasn't, it wasn't, didn't, uh, speak to me. You know, another book that was, that, mind you, would have been, uh, hard to get through. Um, or supposedly would have been hard to get you imagine was Dune and that was just like a knife through butter oh Dune's easy it, it, Dune is Dune is an easy read but it, it still is going to take you weeks <laughs> weeks weeks that book should take you three days tops oh lord that's that's absent of sleep no. Wait, 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 wait. Three days with nothing like, you know, sandwich in between it, by all means. No. That, that... Okay, we're, we're, we're. Sorry, Steve. Gentlemen, I read books on the train. Hour, I have hour train commutes. <laughs> I, 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 I have the downtime to read. You know, I just like before I was like try to wait for time, but now I just kind of like I take it. Like, I'm like, God damn it, I'm gonna read this book. It's two o'clock in the morning, but I'm gonna take the time and read. Wow. And I wake up, but like you know, I just that's dedication. I can't, I, I can't read at three in the morning anymore. I go. Well, I, I mean, go, I'm being sarcastic. I'm not reading at three in the morning, but yeah. you know, like definitely one. Two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I tend to go by what Stephen King said in On Writing, which is learn how to read in sips and drafts. So that's like, how I write. Yeah, I'll I'll bring a book with me, and if I'm online somewhere and I'm waiting for something, book will come out, and I'll I'll read while I'm waiting for stuff. You know, right? And uh, for me, when I'm online, I'm, my sketchbook is sitting in my hand. It's like no. it's, it's the it's the never be angry at your friends being late ever again because yeah. because yeah. I can draw yeah. everything around me. It's and like, if I get tired of drawing, I can read and if I get tired of reading, I can draw and, and kind of bounce back and forth between the two. And that that makes it really lovely. Right. And, uh, and, if, and if you've reached 45 minutes, then they're probably not a very good friend anyway. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah no, they suck. <laughs> Unless it's me and I'm really running late. Um, well, you have courtesy, which is a different thing entirely. You will text somebody if you're running late, you know, and I'm say, bad. "Hey, I'm gonna be 45 minutes late." <laughs> if I, yeah, if I had a friend who who left me 45 minutes without contacting me, without being in the hospital, we're probably not gonna be meeting up again in the future. Yeah, pretty much. 
pretty much. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna always be busy after that. That's what that's gonna be. It's like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't make it. I, I got, can't. I got an engagement. My bad. I'm sorry. I would love I to. Got something but... to do. Yeah. Um, it's funny, right? Because it takes us back to, you know, uh, what his story and Charles talked about the idea of like truth, pain, and distance. Um, and I would, I would add that like you, you know, truth, pain, and distance. And doing the work, at least from this conversation, I can sort of, and I can think about for myself, or at least maybe I'm just sort of like, once again, doing that writer thing. It's about me, god damn it. It's all simplistic. Um, it's finding your place, right? I think, I think a lot of what we talked about, like today, like, there's a sum it up, it's just finding your place, you know, you write to find your place. You know, and, and, and the characters and the people that populate your stories are, are looking for it. It doesn't matter what the what the core sequence of events or the interlinking um, causes and effects, right? However we want to name it. But you know, that that, that, that core, the un you know, sort of like um the, the themes as a or the subtext, however you wanna define it, central idea whatever like specific term you seem to always comes to like this idea of finding your place i mean hell isn't that what star wars isn't that like we can look at star wars and and, and say it's about finding your place it's interesting i i, I yeah. would i i'm i wouldn't have said that i think that it's an insightful comment i i would have said that it's it's wanting something beyond the limited world that he had um, but I, I think finding your place is, is, a, is probably just another way of saying the same thing in many ways I mean I, I don't want us to go into like a, uh, a breakdown in a movie right like you, you know literary analysis of Star Wars however <laughs> yeah, but I, I do think it's interesting because I think. But I mean, isn't that what isn't that what Luke was trying to do? He felt like like there was more. He didn't belong. There's something else out there for me. And it, I mean, and if you're gonna read into it, I mean, you know, you know, um, his family, his father is believed to have been dead. He lives with you know his uncle and his aunt. Like he's trying to find his place, and he did. And it's a really difficult place. Yeah. You know, and I think um, in 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 sort of like us kind of talking about it, right? It, it it is becomes a you know this thing of finding finding your place in the world. Um, you know, in in the genre, it, I mean, well, yeah, it, it's it's locating the essence of 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 who you are, what you're trying to say, and your place, right? Period. Um. And I think, like, it's crucial, and it's 
and it's important. What's interesting, because what I'm left asking in that particular scenario is, is, is the act of finding your place and outcome of the story or a progenitor of the story? I, I think it's because... I think it's both. It's everything. Yeah. It's, it's there. It's, it's, it's everything. Well, it, it, meaning to say, I wonder whether or not a, a satisfying story is is establishing a character who must find their place in the world. Meaning to say that that you're probably going to have, uh, you're probably going to start your story with a a sense of confusion about what that place may be, and that that they're going to discover that over the course of the story. I I think hmm. I keep moving out of frame is what I think. <laughs> I've been doing it the whole time. Yeah. We'll um, well, well, I'm just I'm fidgety. Post. I'm fidgety, so I I can't sit still for too long. I, I can't. Well, find these a these spot. narrow little boxes don't treat us too kindly anyway. Nah. What are you gonna do? There's three of us. It's tall, and, <laughs> tall and sweet. What are we gonna do? Oh. Live fast, leave a good-looking corpse. That's what it, that's what we're gonna do. Um, as far as like narrative, you know, the the place, finding a place, a character finding a place. I think it's like Keith said, it's all of those things. It's it's everything. Uh, it's it's what characters are are. There are exceptions to that, of course. You know. Um, Frodo is an excellent exception to this this conversation because Frodo has a place, right? He is forced out of his place. He is not looking for his... He wants to get back to his place, right? So he already had a place, and he is, by circumstance, by by fate, by by destiny, is forced away from that and has to... His whole goal is to get the ring drop it down the down the volcano come back that's what he wants to do and it's it's everything that's beset against him that that makes that journey what it is i'm actually gonna argue with you um and say that um sam has his place frodo's looking for his place Sam Sam always has his place. His place right. is by Frodo's side. Sam knows what his place is. Frodo had his place, which was Hobbiton. He thinks he he wants a different place. And he says as much to Bilbo when he sees him again at the last homely house. And he admits that this isn't for him. And he goes and he does it anyway. And he's trying to get back to his place. And that's what makes his story the tragedy that it is, is because he gets back and he realizes he can't be there anymore because he's changed so much over the course of the adventure. 
Oh. That and he ends up in the Grey Havens where as his time comes, Sam is going to join him as well. Is he? He bared the ring. He's a ring bearer, that's right. So he's allowed. Yeah. Yeah, we went deep nerd here. We did, we did. We totally went deep nerd. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just say, like, that's, for this, yeah. For this conversation, though, like, that finding a place, like, I just, like, as a theme, and I would say that applies to us, to our idea of, um, you know, the story. The story is about finding your place. Yeah, right? totally. And, and you, you know, we could, we could look for examples in other stories, by all means, um, and but it's not always like you, 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 I'm not selling a Robert McKee system where it's like every story is about finding your place. Oh, <laughs> but right, like, and then create like a whole system behind that, right? No, it's just love you, Robert McKee. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, I don't want to get us in trouble. Um, but the thing is, out of this conversation. The three of us, like, I find that interesting. This this idea of stories being about finding your place. And, you know, no matter, like, we kind of agree sort of, like, on the structure. The key is using that structure to convey, you know, um, and work through this like idea that the truth, the pain and the distance that kind of come to this, this this thing. And and the truth and the pain and the distance like wrapped up and enmeshed in the text, right? The text that you're, you're creating. The text that you may not be even aware of, right? Because you're writing the story, but you're not 100% aware of the subtext we never are we have ideas we have themes we have things we want to explore but the stuff that seeps through the subconscious the stuff that comes through that like you know Becker's X place like X that fountain like yeah it is a mysterious thing yeah absolutely <laughs> what do you think boys I think we're not going to get a full answer tonight, I but I think it's a good start. Yep. I think it is a good start. 